Welcome to the podcast of Dreamers and Doers, where you will hear stories of the ones whose heads are in the clouds and feet firmly on the ground. This is your host, Kaysen Lim. Now, this is a conversation that I've been really looking forward to having. And today, we have Kim McManus with us. Kim is the director of Mosaic Global. Mosaic Global is all about transforming lives, empowering communities, and creating the future. She's going to tell us about how she found her sweet spot in doing missions work. And also, we went really, really personal this time around as she told us the story about God's work of redemption in her own life. I hope you guys will get as much value out of this conversation as I did. Pastor Kim! Hello. Welcome to Malaysia. Thank you. It's my first time in Malaysia. It is. and I'm uh, far from home. You are. Are you missing home yet? No. No? <laughs> Let's keep it that way for the next few days. Great to be here. And um, the first time I, I heard you speak at conference, mm-hmm. at Mosaic Conference three years ago, and um, I just remember your energy on stage, mm-hmm. and you're just so lively, and you're just... You're just so there, so present. And when I first heard you, I was like, you know, we gotta get you here to KL. And here you are. So I'm personally very, very glad that you are here. I'm very excited to be here. My whole family, we rarely do this, come together. Mm. But uh, for for you guys, it's it's very honored to be here. Thank you. And uh, before we go on further, um, maybe you could share with us what, what role do you play at Mosaic? Other than being Irwin's husband and sure. mom. Wife. wife. Sorry, Irwin's <laughs> wife. <laughs> I All right, this is the third wife. podcast already. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll just edit that one. We'll keep that in. Irwin's um, wife and yeah, mom to Aaron and Mariah. And Mariah right. Um, so it's the great, the great thing about having many, many years at Mosaic mm-hmm. and just in ministry. Um, Everybody gets to live in their giftings. Um, when I came to be a pastor's wife, I didn't want that at all. I didn't want that role. I'm like, can't we just keep the girl, the woman that was here before? Because I don't, who wants that? You know, mm-hmm. who wants to be the target or who wants to be, you know, it's just hard work. It's very difficult. And um, so I had to come to a realization many years ago, 30, well, no, it's 27 years ago, that um, I would operate out of my gifts. I would operate in obedience to what I heard God, to, uh, God calling me to do. And then if I stayed in that lane, I felt like I could be happy mm-hmm. and not live off of somebody else's expectation of me, that I was going to um, not live under that pressure of somebody else's expectation because everybody has something. Everybody has a, a will for you. Mm-hmm. And so... My sweet spot is um, missions, mm-hmm. and so God has called me for, um, God called me many, many years ago. So I just, I've always loved working with the poor and the suffering, and I really feel like that's my role. Uh, I serve as the director for Mosaic Global, and I train teams and equip leaders. So what we do, we focus on three things. Uh, transforming lives, empowering communities, and creating the future. Mm-hmm. So when we go into a part of the world and we, we, um, and we work with partners and we, we always are go- looking for people who are leadership and who want to partner with us in seeing something great and transforming communities and empowering them and, and creating the future, we just 
we, that's, we love it. Mm-hmm. And so we have lots of teams that go throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Have you always had this in you? Like, oh, was, was that something that triggered this, this passion? Yeah, I think the, the thing that triggered it was um, growing up in, you know, growing up in North Carolina, which is on the east, eastern part of the U.S., and um, desperately poor, had nothing, and then then seeing God just come in and redeem everything, like redeem my whole life for good, and um, and when I when I He lifted me out of poverty, I'd always had a heart to go back and see that God would. Um, Use me to lift other people, and to be a voice of hope. You know, Mosaic, we say that we're we live by faith, we're known by love, and we're a voice of hope. That's our core. That's our that's our burning heart is to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope, and to be a, vo- a voice of hope to those who suffer, um, especially with with the lack of opportunity and the lack of of resource and the lack of of everything. But to, then to say that's who Jesus went to. He he went to the he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's our goal. You know, we always we're all, we're very visible in LA, but our heart is always to serve those who um, have great need. Mm-hmm. You came to know Jesus at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 or 12, yeah. And yeah, can you tell us? Yeah, yeah. More? So just in that desperation of being, um, you know, put in foster care at the age of seven. So I went from being a street kid to put on a farm, to work the farm. Mm-hmm. And um, we lived right beside the church. So the church, you know, was always kind of in the, in the picture. And so when I, I first realized that God was, was in the room, was... Um, when I was like 11. And so he just kind of led me to go show up at church. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. Look, I, I was this orphan in this foster care system and my parents that, that were so kind to take me in, they didn't go to church. But when I started going, I realized I, there's something that is keeping me here. And it really wasn't the people because it, they didn't know what to do with me. I sat there and I was so I was so opposite them, and they were all in families, and I sat there by myself. And um, and so they they said, okay, one of the things that we'll do with her is put her in the choir. And so all of a sudden, I joined the choir, and now I was public. Mm-hmm. So I just looked like a fool up there singing songs about Jesus, who I didn't know, and you know, just as I am. What did, what did it, I had no idea what was singing. And Regina came up to me while I was singing because it offended Regina. Regina was a, a lady in the, in the church and, and at the end of the service in Baptist churches, the choir would stand and sing a song called Just As I Am. And it was to say, if you want Jesus, come now. He, he will take you just as you are. And <clears throat> I think I offended Regina. She stood up and she walked up to the choir and I was on the first row and she leaned over and she said, Kim, 
why don't you come and give your life to Jesus today? And I leaned over and I said, no, thank you. (laughs) Because what did that mean? Give your life to Jesus. What was that? And so then she leaned back over and asked me again. And I realized, oh, this is this is her versus me. Who's going to win? And I, I said, no, thank you. And again, she came in after me. And why don't you come and give your life to Jesus? And I laid down my book. And I followed Regina. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you go and you shake the pastor's hand who is standing at the front. And you have a little talk with him. And then you leave and with the question of what the heck just happened. And I, I always say I, I accepted Regina in my heart as Savior Lord <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know what that was, except over the coming months, the growing questions of my life, mm-hmm. becoming a, a, a young lady, becoming, a, you know, staying an orphan, and, and then God meeting me in that place. And as the questions of my own future became bigger, the reality of Jesus became stronger. Where I just started calling out to him in my darkest moments and begging him, please come in my life and change me. Please give me something that, you know, have my mom come back and get me. Um, and I began to just call out to him. And that's where my journey of faith began in that dark space on the ground in my bedroom in North Carolina on that farm. And, um, and then I began to have this growing sense of God's fatherhood in my life, you know? And so he began to make promises to me that no, no, my, when my mom left me in foster care, my father had run away by then. You know, there was no responsibility. And God said, I will take you, I'll care for you, I'll love you, I'll never leave you, I promise you. I'll always be there. And the hardest day was when my mother came to visit me. And the hardest day was when she came with another baby in her arms. And that was baby number 10. And I realized, I'm never leaving foster care. I'm here. Now what am I going to do? And um, most people have a mom and a dad to come and support them and fight for their future. And I realized my future is only going to come if God um, rescues me. And then he did. What a great redemptive story yeah, I have. Yeah. Wow. So was that uh, a few years after you started going to church, or was it just... It, 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 was, an, it, was, an evo- it was like an evolution of... God opening one door and showing me, just walk through the door. Mm-hmm. If you say yes, I'll open another. And then before I knew it, I'm like, there was no plan B. Mm-hmm. I had no other option. I didn't have like a lot of options that students and families, uh, that kids with families have. I only, I had nothing. I had nothing. It, when, when it came time I was, my, was my, I was the first to ever graduate from high school. And then I had the opportunity to potentially go to college. And I looked at that financial, that financial uh, document and all of the numbers that I had equal zero. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing. Um, 
And then my, um, my, my, my welfare, we called it welfare at that time, my uh, welfare um, person came, she was the person in charge of me, and she had authority to sign all the documents. And she said, Kim, I'll sign that document. Um, I'll sign the document that says you have no father and mother that will take financial responsibility for you, and it'll be a legal binding document. And because she did that for me, it told, the, it told everyone that I had nothing and I was open to everything, and they gave me a scholarship to go to college. And then nothing became something, became my future. Mm. So I just never underestimate the power of the zeros, mm. that God can make it something, wow. like something out of nothing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when God, in Genesis 1, he said, I took the dust from the ground and I made a human being. Mm-hmm. That dust always in the scriptures was about man's finiteness and insignificance. And that's always the best material with which God can breathe life and, and goodness and, and create futures and create human beings that he rises up. And so we can't ever look at an orphan and say that orphan is without a future because it's that orphan has one, it's just one, you know, decision away from God raising that person up. And we can't curse something that God is going to bless. Yeah. And who are we to do that? So I don't know. Um, God gave me hope. God gave me um, where there was nothing before. God gave me such a dramatic turnaround. Yeah, <laughs> and so I think that's what I give my life to is the hope that I can do that for somebody else. Wow. Give them their great redemption story. And I told someone the other day, hmm, Uh, that had that had a great falling out many years before, and I had run into them, and, and there was this maturity that both of us had had. The years had matured both of us, and I looked at her and I said, "I hope that you will not remember me by my worst moments, because I will never remember you by your worst." Mm. And she said, "There was so much shame in those days," and I said, um, "Are we good?" And all was forgiven. And God says, he doesn't ever remember us by our worst moments. And so we can surely give that to someone else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for what's been given me. Wow. So then, the re- then I'm never, so that, that all of that cycle of, of what I was given, all of the cycle of no education and no, no parents and, and all of the things of the cycle of drug abuse and violence, the cycle of having children out of wedlock, that generation after generation I had been given was never going to be mine, children's legacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so God promised me in that mess that he was going to break that cycle from, for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I have a daughter who writes worship music and has never known a day where she's been unloved. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a son who follows Jesus with all his heart, and he doesn't know the abandonment. Mm-hmm. It's because those things were settled in my generation, so that my future generation and the generation after them, they don't have to deal with that. God can break cycles, and uh, it does take the hard work of letting him do it through you when that, that's what you've been given. Yeah. Genetics is never your destiny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And God's 
really using you as well as an instrument of redemption mm. and using you to, to do this for others. Do you remember your first missions trip? <laughs> <laughs> it was so terrible, a trip, so terrible. that I thought, surely this is, there's a right, a right way to do this. We went to China. I wasn't leading. I was just, you know, and then I spent 20 plus years trying to figure out what, what, what is the best way to serve well and do no harm. Mm-hmm. And um, so at Mosaic, we are so committed to serving the world well that we, we operate out of a stand, some best practices. And um, we never think it's, it's, it's us doing the work because we are never about that. We are always about going in the flesh, being, because Jesus came in the flesh. Yeah. Because money sent cannot love face-to-face, mm-hmm. cannot hug face-to-face, cannot, cannot empathize, cannot serve side-by-side. And so we show up, even in the most uh, uh, cra- craziest, un, un, you know, unconventional ways and give what we've got. And uh, how old were you when you did your first mission trip? I think I was in college. You in college. Yeah. And that was, you know, in the States. We went to Philadelphia. And then later when I had Aaron, about he was about two years old, and I went to China. And then then I just started leading because I really felt like mm-hmm. people, people needed the experience of going. Mm-hmm. And they needed to be taught what it was to follow Jesus. And how many trips do you make a year right now? I've had, uh, maybe we, we send six or seven trips out. Mm-hmm. I'm not on all of them, but uh, when I need to go, I, I go. This year was um, Malawi, which we've been working in for years. We love Malawi and the work that's being done there in one village. And um, that's beautiful. And then I've just returned from the Middle East and in Lebanon working with refugees. Yeah. We work, we, we, re, um, we uh, resettle refugees in, in the U.S. And so also it's going to be our great pleasure to help Syrian refugees one day go home mm-hmm. and find a home and build a home mm-hmm. when their country is opened again. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, it is. And you're doing a lot of different kinds of work, refugees and, and Malawi, what, what kind of work is that? So the goal is, uh, <laughs> the goal is, okay, if, if, if when serving together with like a village, can we create a sustainable model? Can we learn to do it well enough? So it could be a model that can be duplicated with other churches or with, with in other villages. And if you empower people, um, can we be the, like, like we use this model. It's a tire of a, a, a wheel, a wheel, mm-hmm. them, oh, a wheel. And some churches think, okay, the middle of that would be us. You know, we're very, like, so much about the mission is about us. At Mosaic, we are the, the little part in the tire that you just blow into and it, <laughs> and it, inflates the wheel. It, that's how small our part is. We're behind the scenes trying to be enough to this village that can give them the courage to build something new and create their own future. So we meet with the, the chiefs and we say, 
what is your goal? What do you want to see? And they said, education, education, education. So we work in their schools. Uh, we try to uh, see, okay, what can we do to help empower you to make have a better school? So we get partners, and we try to help them meet their goals. Um, we said, okay, we we two values that are really important that we that we they have, we have trust and that we have generosity. The view is that Westerners will come and they'll bring all their stuff and their resources, and then it will empower. And that's never the biblical model. Mm-hmm. And so we just said generosity means we can we will bring what we can, and you bring what you can, and together let's see what can happen with those. And immediately they came with land and said, here's land we want to give to you. And so we say, um, on that land, let's, let's plant the land with crops that can sustain your people for 12 months instead of eight months. And let it be a model to show you how you can um, feed your people for 12 months. And that's called permaculture. Mm-hmm. And so the land they gave us, we don't we don't want. We're just giving it back to them to help show that there is a better way to farm. And it, it, it is just like, can we just be that to them so that when they, their future is greater and that we're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to make a mark for ourselves, but we're trying to make them uh, be the best that they can be. And they are like are phenomenal partners. We work with their leaders. We work doing solar energy projects, medical projects, educational projects, soccer projects, all of this with all of the same we will never all of this with the intention that we will never do for them what they are supposed to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. We basically empower them. Empower them. Thank you so much, Pastor Kim. You're welcome. It's You're welcome. Really, really love hearing your story. And uh, more than hearing your story, I think I really feel your heart. Thank you. More than just the words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. That's all we have for the show today. Thank you for tuning in. Do leave us a review or drop us a note. And to all you dreamers and doers out there, keep your head in the clouds and your feet firmly on the ground. See you next time.